welcome, Tommy, and really happy that uh, you were gracious to give us your time this afternoon and talk about what you do with the Nunavik Marine Region Wildlife Board. And maybe you could just start off by telling us a bit about uh, yourself. I know you're into a lot of different things in Inuchuak, so uh, I think it'd be great to let everyone know how involved you are. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, no, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised uh, here in Inuchuk, uh, born in uh, Moose Factory, uh, brought up here in Inuchuk, and, um, you know, I've... Uh, done you know most of my schooling here did some of my schooling in the south uh, you know college university and you know got got my bachelor of commerce and did a lot of uh, economic development work in our in our community here you know start up our men's association and also our major hydro project in our community um, that's going to be powering our community off of our uh, river here and um, you know all, all, all sorts of economic development projects over the 14 years that I was in that department at uh, the uh, regional government um, so that was that was a lot of fun and uh, then I switched over to wildlife management you know it was I guess you can say a complete 180 degrees you know from business management to beluga management I guess you can say <laughs> so <laughs> But then I, I, that was pretty much the first thing that we, we we were dealing with too when I when I first started with the wildlife board was beluga management. So, uh, you know, from working business plans, uh, you know, and project plans to, you know, beluga management plans and hunt plans. So that was that was kind of, you know, complete, uh, you know, uh, eye opener. You know, when you're used to dealing with numbers, you know, I was, you know, dealing with hunters and um, you know government officials and researchers and stuff. So was was pretty interesting transition um you know to say the least um but uh you know thankfully i'm I, I am a hunter myself so i i know a lot of these hunters that i work with you know in in our community in our in our in our coast in our in our whole region you know i i, I know them pretty well and um you know things things have been you know going pretty well you know in terms of beluga management you know over or over the years that i've been involved um you know we uh, had uh, you know major quota systems across the whole region uh, you know when I first started which was very hard to manage you know between communities you know where they had some communities going over their quotas and some being affected you know some not even being able to you know harvest any at all and then you know they had the you know season close on them you know those that chose to you know harvest in the fall you know for example um, so <clears throat> it was a major you know uh, issue, you know, try to deal, you know, with these issues, you know, with the regional quota and everything. So we were looking at the numbers and stuff, you know, and then looking at, you know, how how things, you know, really, you know, really work. And we listened to the elders more and, you know, had more Inuit involvement, uh, you know, and then, you know, kind of saw a better picture of having just a certain area, you know, uh, let's say, you know, just the Hudson Bay arc inside the Hudson Bay region here. Just having that region, you know, among the three communities, Inuchuk, Umirik, and Kucharabik, you know, having them split a, a you know, a smaller quota, um, while the rest of the region has no quota, but a certain closed season, you know, two months out of the year, um, while while the rest of the months are are, are quota free. So this is this is how we are working right now with uh, with with Beluga. So it's 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 working fairly well. You know, it was it was a learning curve in the beginning. You know, there was a high harvest all over the place, and everyone thought it was, 
you know, uh, for, you know, free for all. But then, you know, we 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 had to kind of work properly amongst our co-management partners, you know, with Mukibik and with the Arnuk, which is the Regional Hunters Fishers Trapper Association, with DFO, Department of Fisheries and Oceans, and you know, with the elders and you know, with the community members, and try and pull everyone back into this management plan. You know, that has a five-year uh, plan, uh, which started in two thousand and. Uh, uh, 21 i believe just uh, so we're three years into this plan now we have two more years left so it's it's starting to balance out you know i mean we have also worked outside of the box you know where we you know outside of the uh, region uh, where there's no quota we we have you know successfully worked with our co-management partners and had built three cabins just uh, this summer so they're they're just finished now and we're, we're planning to have you know, a, a hunt plan where, you know, we send a bunch of hunters from these three communities to the lower um, Hudson Bay, James Bay region, uh, where there's no quota. Um, and that, that, that's in the fall season. Um, you know, so 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 we're doing things, you know, to, to assure Inuit harvesting rights are respected, but we're also trying to assure, you know, the conservation concerns are met as well. So that's just one example, you know, and now we're, we're, we're dealing with polar bear management where, you know, these, um, you know, three communities, uh, these uh, same three communities are going to be going through some workshops, you know, on how public hearings are going to be held and, uh, you know, all the issues, you know, going, leading up to a public hearing, you know, and looking at all the research, the updated information, and that's how, you know, these management decisions are made. You know, by these wildlife boards, you know, they, they you know, a um, request for a decision is made by, you know, by the federal government, and then, you know, whether it's beluga or polar bear, you know, they, they, they have, uh, you know, all the information, the best information presented, you know, through through the public hearings and you know through these workshops with the elders, to bring out the best information from science, you know, the uh, surveys, the research and whatnot. Um, up to date and then also the traditional knowledge you know the unique uh, knowledge of the animals themselves you know what 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 they have witnessed and observed you know in their lifetimes and recently as well you know to to help make these decisions you know if they if they see an abundance of polar bears you know for example that you know there there, there is no real conservation concern from the unique perspective so there's there's going to be conflicting views so how do you make those decisions you know when when these issues come up so that's kind of what we're kind of you know learning to to do as well you know as a wildlife board um you know when there's conflicting issues between traditional knowledge and the sciences uh where sometimes you know the science isn't complete you know science is is known to have you know most of the answers but sometimes when it's not complete science is not um is, is not fulfilling its, its its own responsibilities and presenting the right information um you know, even though it's up to up to date information, but it could not be the right information, you know, so that's a kind of the issues that sometimes we have to deal with and to try and get that best information is always, you know, going to be the strive for 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 our wildlife board, and I believe for all wildlife boards to, you know, make the best decisions to present to the um, ministers for for final approval. Yeah, so how many years now have you been with the board? I've been with the board since 2016. I kind of uh, switched uh, in 2016 during the summer, and um, it's been uh, it's been a pretty pretty interesting um, change since. 
Yeah, no, that's the reason I asked. I was really curious about your opening point there about uh, the transition from business into wildlife management. And like, how how did they find you and uh, lure you over and get you interested in that? Like, how did that all happen back at the time? Yeah, well, it was a pretty interesting time. You know, the uh, previous uh, executive director had been elected uh, to a uh, executive position of uh, Maccabi Corporation as the corporate secretary, so the position position was vacant for for a while. They 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 needed, you know, uh, you know, someone that had you know management skills and whatnot. So it was interesting because they were just upstairs from from my office downstairs <laughs> at the uh, uh, major office complex where, where where we are in our community, which is their head office. Was you know, I mean, my my whole career, I wanted to do business management and uh, you know support businesses or start even my even my own business, but just seemed appealing to to work with hunters and you know to 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 try and you know work work the best ways for for hunters and also to even consider start self self managing wildlife uh, you know ourselves and that's kind of the steps we're we're slowly taking now you know through strategic plans that we're we're starting to do now. Um, so we, 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 I think we, it, it, it's come a good way, you know, since I started, you know, the hunters, fishers, trapper associations now are, are well supported now, um, you know, with their new secretariat, um, there's good training sessions going on, you know, for administration, for wildlife management, for legal issues, uh, which wasn't there before. So we have good training programs in place now for all our hunters and their, and their committees to understand their roles and responsibilities. Um, in the whole wildlife management picture, you know, to to provide uh, you know their, their their best knowledge and advice on on these uh, wildlife issues, um, you know, as as we progress, and um, so we have a good team, you know, among among ourselves, you know, we have wildlife liaison officers, we have community research coordinators now, um, uh, in in our in our community, so it's it, there's. You know, we're doing a lot of good research now, you know, with our new funding programs that are being provided for the next 10 years. So a lot of good research is being conducted now by by the communities themselves. Uh, you know, the, 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 the funds that is being provided, which is about 200,000 a year, um, you know, to the region, you know, helps them, you know, prioritize what research they want to do. Um, you know, whether it's seal monitoring um, or um you know the uh, seashell uh, monitoring uh, and uh, these 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 issues that they would like to look at in more more detail so that's how we've kind of grown um you know with the new funding program as well um so that's uh, kind of what i guess we we, we have been doing uh, you know for the past uh, few years now i just wanted to say one quick thing about uh, something similar between you and i i guess and that uh, I first did uh, business as well, and I remember when I got approached about coming to work with the Torngat Wildlife uh, and Plants Co-Management Board, I was a little bit uh, confused at why they would be interested, and what did I know about that? Because I had this perspective that you uh, must have to be a biologist to work in that field. Uh, but little did I know at the time, I guess, and over time have come to realize that tends to be a lot more about working with people and relationships and and then I often also wondered why I've stuck around so long and I think it's because of the 
diversity of things that we get to be involved with in co-management. It's not just like in your case, beluga and polar bear, but there's such a variety of species and uh, so many different issues in all of these cases that every day you're learning something and it doesn't seem like it's about to stop anytime soon. And uh, one of the things I really wanted to ask you, because I was on YouTube a couple of nights ago and saw that uh, you were on there and you were explaining uh, what the Nunavik Marine Region Wildlife Board is, but it was entirely in Inuktitut. So I was kind of curious if uh, maybe you could share with this podcast uh, a bit more like about what is the Nunavik Marine Region Wildlife Board? Yeah, we're uh, composed of uh, seven board members. Um, there's three from the region uh, uh, that are uh, appointed by Makavi Corporation. And there's one appointed by the Department of Fisheries and Oceans, one appointed by the Environment Climate Change Canada, and also one appointed by the government of Nunavut. And they all, um, after a interview process, um through a kind of job job um posting process they select a chairperson and that chairperson uh, you know is um his name is Ulamito. he's he's living in our region but he's originally from nunavut so that's that's an interesting composition we have um you know he's he's very much from our region um and uh, he, you know but he has experience from the nunavut region as well um, so he has very unique um, uh, experiences and knowledge that he, you know, that he can share, you know, through through his, uh, you know, experiences, you know, as a hunter, but also, um, you know, as a, uh, you know, a member, you know, from the region as well, you know, how how wildlife management is is, is managed there as well. So he understands he understands both sides. So we're it's it's very unique that 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 position we have right now. And we manage all of the marine regions, uh, you know, all of the marine resources, uh, sorry, in the marine region, um, you know, that includes beluga, polar bear, that's our top two right off the bat that we manage um, because there's somewhat some, you know, some some conservation concerns uh, with, with some of the stocks and, uh, you know, with polar bear, that's, that's still to be discussed. Um, and there's, there's different jurisdictions, you know, um, also uh what you call um overlapping overlapping jurisdictions you know uh, let's say nunatsewut and nunavik have overlapping jurisdiction nunavut and nunavik have overlapping jurisdictions uh, the eu uh, marine region which is the cree of the james bay and nunavik and nunavut have you know overlapping jurisdictions from what i've been told that's one of the most complex in terms of overlapping jurisdictions and policies and all that stuff in Canada. So, you know, right now we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, there, there, there's the agreements that are in place, but there's, there's different interpretations on the implementation of them. So that's, that's kind of why, you know, we're, we're having some issues, you know, in terms of, you know, trying to decide on, let's say uh, TAT and, and NQLs, which is total allowable take a quota and non-quota limitations for a certain region. Um, so this this is, you know, very, very um, 
contentious and very, you know, I mean, when, when there's already systems in place by other co-management partners, and when there's two managed co-management partners that are just starting their new uh, co-management plan um, on a certain species, you know, there it, it's, it's uh, you know, to try and have everyone start from scratch is, is challenging, um, you know, when we have these overlapping jurisdictions. So that's kind of where we see the, you know, the, the um, I guess, I don't know what you call it, the loopholes or the gaps in the agreements, you know, that there's the agreements that are in place, you know, the implementation of the agreements, but the overlapping jurisdictions, there's no clear direction or guide on how we are to work together and make these uh, joint decisions on the total allowable take and the non-coded lim limitations of a certain species. So, you know, our lawyers are certainly, you know, uh, busy with all of this. They have their work cut out, you know, to, to uh, you know, make their own interpretations and kind of argue that uh, over, over uh, you know, the uh, decisions that are requested for. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a learning curve for, for, for all of us, you know, I mean, these, these, some of these agreements are fairly new. Um, so, you know, there's, there's going to be some issues along the way, and that's what we're dealing with right now. Has there been any attempts, uh, sort of to collaborate in all of those overlapping areas outside of lawyers talking to lawyers? Has there been kind of any meetings between the co-management boards themselves or anything in your area? There has been, uh, you know, there has been a few, uh, you know, over over the years that I've been a part of, uh, you know, the wildlife board since 2016. Um, so it would be good to have more of those meetings, you know, also with the stakeholders, which are, you know, the unit organizations, um, you know, the Makavik uh, Corporation and also, um, you know, the uh, NTI uh, and also, you know, Nunchevut as well. And so, and also with the EU to really discuss you know the management plans but also the needs and how we really need to work together you know they like for like for example you know the um beluga hunting camps that are being built that that, that are ha that have been built on long island in james bay uh that was due to a a high need a a, a very important need for food security uh, for, for, for Beluga, for the three Hudson Bay communities. And, you know, the Cree, the, 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 the you know, after not, I guess, being consulted uh, enough, they, they had resistance on that because they felt that they had the only jurisdiction and only ownership of that land where it is actually a overlapping jurisdiction. So we're we're going through that process where we need to have not the lawyers but the communities the you know the the you know the leaders to try and get the communities to work together to accept you know these projects you know that are in, in relation to food security and to make sure that you know we 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 have the support because certain hunters you know weren't weren't uh, you know informed and that uh, they they particularly use that area so there's a lot of you know, public relations that goes along with these uh, management plans and, uh, you know, to have these not only co-management partners, but neighboring neighboring uh, regions, you know, Nunavik, EU Marine Region, Nunavut, Nunatsevut, you know, we need to have more of these kind of 
you know, when it comes to important, you know, wildlife management issues, you know, these these species cross these jurisdictional boundaries all the time, you know, throughout the year, migrating back and forth. So we really need to have a better picture, you know, of, you know, who is really harvesting from these? Is it really just this group, you know, or, or, or is it a larger group? You know, I mean, it's, we really need to have a holistic approach, you know, holistic view of not just looking through our own um, region and uh, narrow view. We need to look at the whole species and the whole migration route and how it is, you know, being exploited or how it is being um, uh, hunted and uh, managed and to try and get like a, um, you know, more supportive and understanding of the whole approach because some some communities are were from what I remember in the beginning were completely against the whole system and just they were they were rogue hunters you know they were all that stuff but now you see less and less of that we see more and more of okay we see more and more of Inuit leading these management plans and leading these you know such as ourselves here the wildlife board you know uh, the Arnuk um, you know and uh, you know having these plans that you know make more sense you know um, where you know there is an obvious kind of conservation concern which is kind of evident to the Inuit as well then they buy into that it's very important to to really think uh, like like you said very much which is very important you know when, when you were offered this job that you thought it was just wildlife biologists but it's really you know important people you know that understand and kind of connect these dots but also you know have a good sense of the community and 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 sense of what of what is realistic of what the community would be able to buy into and how the community can buy into these management plans um it's 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 i mean we're all on the same page we all want to conserve we all want to sustain wildlife uh but it's if it starts to you know impede on harvesting rights you know if the science is not complete you know, uh, you know, and then the quotas are kind of prematurely decided upon, and that you know, just doesn't go with the community vibe. You know, it doesn't doesn't go with the community sense, common sense. You know, so we, I mean, we don't harvest commercially. That's that's one thing that the government, I guess, still needs to understand, or you know, has because all the other areas that they do manage, they're they it's all commercial. You know, if you think about it, you know, Inuit is the only area that Inuit region is the only area that is mostly non-commercial um but it's it's mostly sustenance you know to to sustain you know for for food security um so that's that's kind of how i see the challenges of how dfo kind of manages where they're so used to having just simple quotas jurisdictions boundaries zones seasons which they can control easily where you know we we would kind of you know, flow with the animals, you know, we might, you know, they migrate, you know, through our region. So it's, it's um, always going to be a, a delicate balance, I guess, to, 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 to manage when it's coming mostly from the top down. It's kind of curious to chat more about that as well. Like when you reference a total allowable take, like when your board sets a total allowable take for argument's sake, is that then final or are there other powers at be that still can intervene or or how does that kind of work in the in the nilka case yeah for for example um you know for for, for the beluga you know before it was a certain quota 
you know, for, for, for the whole region, um, you know, which was calculated based on a percentage system that was um, based on the samples of so many years, you know, that that kind of took a picture of the, you know, let's say the Hudson Bay region was supposedly 100%, you know, beluga, whatever harvest, you know, you had, it was, it was supposedly 100% EHB, which is the, the beluga stock that needs to be conserved. And then when you have other other areas that you know that uh, you know have certain percentage systems, you know that's that's you know that pretty much how you build that into a management plan, you know where where other areas have a let's say twenty percent in the springtime or ten percent in the springtime and twenty percent in the fall, you know, and then you kind of total it up together their total harvest, and that's kind of what what their what their take was. Sometimes you know you would have communities that would over harvest. Um, and then there would be other communities that always preferred to harvest in the fall time, uh, have their season close on them, uh, because the whole region surpassed the quota. So once, once, once that was in place, there was a lot of fighting in between the communities, a lot of, you know, uh, splitting the, the communities apart, you know, it was, was almost. Uh, disheartening to 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 hear and listen to see all these hunters you know that are so used to working together where we're fighting where we're, we're fighting amongst each other amongst you know just certain small numbers of quotas you know for 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 beluga and it was it was you know just so so much of a top-down approach that it was just not making sense so that's how you know where, where i really thought of a really bottom-up approach where you know the communities have more input you know have have better understanding and that's where we kind of we were told that you know through a lot of elders uh you know harry Upik being one of them that you know the the you know angawa bay and hudson street are such a large number of belugas that there should not be a quota you know throughout the year uh, and that's that's kind of what what we're are, are, are at right now and um you know you know, with the sampling programs that we have been really promoting within our region, you know, within the Hudson Bay, with the samples that we had last year, uh, they found out this year that there was actually five harvested from last year that are non-EHB in the Hudson Bay. And apparently it was 100%, you know, according to the DFO science. That's that's kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm getting at, where science, when it's not complete, when it says this area is 100%, where no matter what it is, no matter what season, um, that's that's kind of where we have issues. You know, I I know like before April uh, May 1st, uh, there there is no quota, and after uh, you know November 30th or or so on, uh, as well. That's that's the same issue. But th this was in the springtime. You know, th this was in the in the late uh, spring, early summer, where these you know belugas were harvested. Yeah, we well we have 20 uh, quota within the Hudson Bay arc. Um, oh, okay. So let's say from our community, Inukjuk, the top of the Hudson Bay, um, down to the top of James Bay, which is lower Hudson Bay, just that area is a quota, has a quota of 20 that is shared between the three communities of Inukjuk, Umiruk, and Kuchabik. So we have to share the 20. Um, sometimes it's uh, split. In some years, it was 10-5-5 for one community having 10, 
and then they would rotate, you know, the, the other community having 10, the other communities having five, and then the other community having 10, and the other communities having five. So it was always like a rotation of 10, 5, 5. Uh, oh, okay. And then, so that's that's kind of how, you know, they, they've decided, you know, to, you know, to have these years kind of roll out. But unfortunately, you know, there was in, in the same situation, you know, we had these three communities given this quota, and then there was one community, uh, my, my community, unfortunately, well, we have population of 2000 compared to the other two communities that are combined uh, that are less than uh, 2000 um so you know there there was issues with the just just the numbering you know per capita kind of issues um business side i guess we can talk about a bit uh, but uh, that's that's something that you know we 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 are still trying to deal with now that this community over harvested last year so we were we were given a cut on this quota here but thankfully we had those har uh, those harvested samples come back and give us an iterative process where we have you know uh, uh, extra beluga that are um, I guess you can say uh, given from one year to the next you know that that are were, were supposedly counted as five beluga um, you know within within the quota last year. But apparently, thankfully, through the samples, they were proven to be non-EHB. So there was a demand by the Indian organizations, rightfully so, to give those back. So because there's a margin of error, um, you know, with their science and whatnot, they, 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 they gave back four instead of five. And that, that, that was actually requested because there's an understanding of that margin of error. So thankfully, just at the end of August, there was a letter from the minister approving of that. So just recently, uh, just last week, the uh, Regional Hunters, Fishers, Trapper Association with the three communities, Hunters, Fishers, Locals, Hunters, Fishers, Trapper Association decided on that four allocation for two for inner truck and two for mirror. Good job, since they're, you know, they're about two hours ride by canoe to the non-quota zone in the James Bay area. They weren't given any of that. Uh, oh. Since they have easier access to that uh, higher higher population and non quota zone, so that's kind of where uh, we are right now. Yeah, and you mentioned the minister uh, approved that, so it's a it's a similar situation, I guess, in other areas where the board uh, makes a recommendation or decision, and the minister approves it or disapproves it. And I guess curious to hear what has the experience been like with the uh, Nunavik Marine Region Wildlife so far in terms of recommendations being accepted? Has it been positive or has there been? Yeah, I think there's, I mean, we we, we always got to put a, a very solid argument, you know, based on the best traditional knowledge, based on the best updated science. And we always have to put solid arguments. And we're always also trying to lean on more uh you know or having open doors to local management uh you know building that kind of self-determination uh in there uh kind of having our own reconciliation action plan um through these uh, management systems that are being put in place um that have a lot more direction from the bottom up where you need direction um, so for, for Beluga, for example, it's, it's, it's seen better improvement, you know, uh, since I started, um, it was, 
you know, very kind of rocky road. You know, uh, I, I I chaired a workshop uh, on on beluga when they were just had that beluga season uh, closed for that year, and they were still kind of, you know, verbally throwing things at each other. You know, I mean, uh, there, there was there was still those kind of issues just when I started. You know, so it was. It was just that kind of environment. Now it's more of a supportive environment. You know, there, there, there you see more uh, communities from, you know, let's say the Angawa Bay side or the Hudson Strait side inviting hunters from our communities here that are in this quota zone to hunt with them uh, in, their, in, their, in, their, in their communities to at least hunt, you know, two or three for our community so we can share, uh, you know. So there's a complete turnaround on on kind of you know how the hunters are working together it's it's kind of back to how Inuit used to work together you know just to kind of help serve and harvest for 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 community food food security you know that's pretty much the bottom line and you know throughout the year you know we, we don't always harvest harvest beluga only certain certain seasons you know like mostly in the spring and fall seasons mostly uh, some you know the early uh, fall uh, you know, August, uh, you know, in, in the springtime and uh, July, we, we, it's our, it's our tradition to not, not touch them, you know, uh, it's just our tradition to let them, you know, uh, roam, um, you know, and get their babies and whatnot. And uh, so that's, that's kind of our, 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 our tradition in that uh, now, you know, to have more of a Inuit approach, it's, it's a lot easier to, 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 to manage and, and promote and say, you know, we, we, we have some good uh, steps towards self-determination you know we we just got to keep you know abiding by some of these other rules you know like you know polar bear for example we have some you know voluntary uh, agreements in place that have a quota of 23 in our region here uh, for three communities where we're talking three communities for a voluntary agreement of three uh, 23 whereas one community in Nunavut has a quota of 25 and this this community of Nunavut Sunikilok has population of about nine hundred, close to a thousand, where we have a combined population of three thousand one hundred, uh, Vinutchuk, Umiruk, and Kuchuabik, where they have to split twenty three. Um, so you automatically see, you know, it's uh, you know this is the issue when we have this kind of top down approach where we kind of have the government making these decisions. Um, you know, when it's not properly allocated, you know, we're not looking at, you know, the community needs, you know, let's see, you know, drug might have a higher need than, you know, let's say Umiruk, where it has a smaller population of about 700. Um, so it's, uh, we're, we're here, we're about 2,000, you know, uh, in a, you know, very, very uh, healthy hunt, hunting population, uh, you know, just like any other community. Um, so if you see that as a per, 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 uh, capita as poor hunters as well it's a higher higher percentage of hunters in our in our community uh, you know they all have to feed their families as well so like i was saying we don't always hunt beluga throughout the year you know we we have only a certain size freezer you know and uh, we, we're, we we're not rich you know we can't afford you know large freezers uh you know we have modest freezers that have to have caribou fish seal beluga ptarmigan um, you know, all sorts of animals and uh, mussels, uh, sea urchins, you know, uh, we we have a good variety of a diet that 
I don't believe we'll we'll ever make any of any of our animals extinct. You know, the only reason why there's a conservation concern with the beluga is because of the Hudson Bay Company. You know, they 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 harvested in in, in the thousands. You know, uh, there's 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 a lot of stories. You know, from from way back then, where where the governments and uh, Hudson Bay companies, you know, slaughtered these animals for for sometimes you know from what from what we were told before through elders. And other stories that we've heard that you know they were even used as targets you know for for bombers you know just to, just for fun um and Hudson Bay company uh you know harvesting just for the fat you know just just to sell the uh, oil um and just completely wasting you know the 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 animal uh, you know just going for the fat and the elders were even saying that they weren't even allowed to you know take home any of the any any of the meat or the mutta can just uh, work on, uh, you know, the fat because there there's just so many to harvest. Um, you know, it was uh, just these kind of stories. You know, I mean, that really opens your eyes as to, you know, Inuit were never really the reason for for any conservation concern, and I believe we never will be, because we we just understand, you know, so well that, you know, if there is really a conservation concern, then we will ourselves back off. You know, we we automatically will, but. We understand that you know most of the animals that we harvest go through cycles you know there, there's a high cycle and a low cycle based on the available vegetation uh, you know if there's a high 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 number of caribous you know they they tend to 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 a lot, die off a lot by from from sickness you know geese have that same same issue when there's high high numbers you know they have uh, you know avian flu um so so it's just a natural cycle that we all understand as you need you know, uh, but, you know, sometimes when there's a slump, you know, on a certain species, uh, you know, the government kind of has all these sirens going and saying, we got to, got to put a management plan in place. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, just, you know, it's just a few, a few, maybe not even a hundred years of experience, maybe a 50, 60, 70 years of experience, you know, managing as a, as a government, whereas compared to there's, thousands of years of experience you know of Inuit managing wildlife and understanding and observing wildlife so you know we we we, we, we certainly weren't born yesterday you know, when it comes to wildlife management you know Inuit have been there observing animals you know since you know since since, since we you know, first came here tens of thousands of years ago you know it's uh, just natural for Inuit to understand you know the biological and uh, environmental issues, you know, with with the uh, wildlife, uh, it's just natural. So, to me, it just makes more sense to kind of give them or slowly hand off the management uh, reins, you know, from from the government to the Inuit, properly supported by government for sure. Uh, but that's how uh, you know I certainly see it, and that's how I certainly am going to be pushing for it. You feel like uh, since the board has been uh, sort of finding its sea leg, so to speak, that you feel like it is starting to cycle back a bit more towards a bottom-up approach or or is there still that feeling of a top-down or a sure sense is there progress being made yeah yeah there, there certainly is progress um you know there you know there's just so much focus on the numbers themselves you know there there's going to be some eventual focus on you know the habitat you know of these of these species you know we, we have to kind of not not again not have this narrow view of just the animals themselves uh but also their habitat you know uh, if there's anything affecting them um that that, that would affect their uh, you know uh, 
production rates or or or, or whatever, um, or their spawning grounds or whatever. Um, so so that's kind of you know like the next kind of phase that you know that that, that we eventually want to go to, you know, and kind of make sure that you know that there's ways you know let's say if there's a lower number of char or whatnot, you know, we try and put you know hatcheries, you know, char hatcheries, and you know, in you know certain communities to to increase the number of fish, you know, abundances, because you know over the years a lot of the communities have overfished, and you know, kind of you know, a lot of the uh, you know fish and other other you know species in the you know in the, in the sea are, are a lot of what you know the animals you know feed on themselves. So if we kind of turn around and kind of look at the habitat and start you know producing more char through the hatcheries and you know whatnot it kind of help, you know, certainly help, you know, the uh, habitat and then the environment. You don't have to be a biologist to, you know, to understand that, you know, if yeah. there's, you know, issues with shipping routes, uh, you know, shipping routes, you know, uh, to make sure that, you know, that, you know, during these areas, you know, that they make sure that they, uh, you know, go slower or they avoid certain areas, you know, for, for the shipping routes, because there's going to be an increase in these ships, you know, over the years, you know, with the climate change and whatnot. So, you know, there's certain things you need to do in the future as well, you know, not not just have this narrow focus on numbers and quotas and mathematical formulas to make probabilities based on hunter, you know, numbers and whatnot. It's you know, it's just a numbers game when, when you really look at it. But if you really kind of look at a holistic approach, kind of make sure that there's a buy-in, kind of you know, in leading it, then there would be a, a real management plan in place. You know. yeah. Otherwise, it's just a, you know, a power struggle between Indian and government when, when you were talking quotas. So did you get your char this summer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of char. Yeah, I got uh, <laughs> just last week, we got four. <laughs> so it was, oh. it was good. <laughs> I got good, good sized chars. <laughs> Perfect. I was uh kind of curious just to switch gears a little bit because uh and i noticed could we could talk all day about polar bears and, and you and i have talked about it a lot obviously uh and curious about uh how everything unfolded with the south hudson bay population a few years ago and that sort of made its way through the court system and that was a educational process i think for all of us who followed along and and how it all went and one of the things that I kind of reflected on a, a little bit, and I just wonder, was it ever an option for the board to not set a total allowable take at that time? I know the minister varied what the decision was in that case, and uh, obviously people weren't happy about it. But but was it an option to simply not set the total allowable take in that case? Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that, you know, I mean, looking at, you know, historically the numbers, uh, you know, of harvest of polar bear, you know, it was only one year where we had, you know, uh, you know, a abnormally high harvest. And, um, you know, I, you know, it really depends on, you know, the ice conditions as well, you know, when we have a lot of strong winds coming in, you know, from, uh, you know, from out west, uh, after being open for for a while, it kind of brings in all the polar bears. You know, it's, I kind of see how, and then you see how you know polar bears are shifting. You know, it's it's really because of the ice. You know, there's no boundaries, there's no zones, there's no maps that they follow. It's just you know the ice, you know, uh, and the uh, seals that they uh, hunt. So it's, uh, um, you know, it, that 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 you know that that variation that that was done. You know, it's it's certainly you know going to 
uh, you know, make things challenging, you know, going forward. Um, you know, it's uh, all, all these issues, you know, coming together, you know, it, it makes you kind of wonder why there's a, a wildlife board in the first place, you know, when you, when you try and make the best decision based on the best available traditional knowledge, the best available science, and then kind of having a, a uh, rejection or variation on that is, is certainly challenging, you know, I mean, uh, it kind of makes you really wonder why wildlife boards were made in the first place when these variations or rejections can be made in the final end when it's really these government appointed people that are on these boards as well you know i mean it's it's uh you know hard hard to kind of uh, i guess understand sometimes when you know i guess when i'm you know uh, not not so far in my career you know I mean, there's just a lot of issues legal issues when it comes to these decisions and uh the whole legal context kind of comes into picture when you know when when you're making a decision and then you know if it's approved it's fine you know uh, you know the government uh you know um implements it and uh you know make sure that it's uh you know communicated and um enforced you know that's that's what the government does you know once it's approved but when it's varied or rejected um you know it, you 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 know you got to first kind of ask you know is it is it right for the government to 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 reject it is it uh, is it um, affecting Inuit harvesting rights without affecting a conservation concern that's usually the first question um, and you know when when you look at what a conservation concern is um, you got to really look at everything you got to look at the harvest levels not only just in one year but over a long long period of time uh, and that's what Muckett be uh, did and uh, you know that's 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 what the argument is that you know there should not be a quota based on the harvest levels over the years and that's kind of what their um, uh, argument is now you know based on the harvest levels over the years that you know there should not be you know a, a quota um, so right now it's just you know trying to put together a solid argument for that you know um, that's you know all, all I guess it's a science or an art I guess you can say, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's something that uh, you know we're 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 facing right now. Like when the when the minister at that time uh, varied the decision, I guess did did it come with much rationale uh, from the minister, or or was it just more here does the decision and that's it. Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at you know the uh, you know the surveys and you know the 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 latest information, you know, a lot of reliance is on science and uh, you know the 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 surveys and these and these um, results and you know scientific information. Um, so that's that's what 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 is usually you know their their argument based on science, you know. There 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 is still a conservation concern, so please vary your decision based on these parameters so that's kind of what you know what, what is usually uh you know provided when a variation is is, is made when it's completely rejected that's that's kind of a uh, you know different story um so when it's varied you know it's let's say we put a decision of 24 beluga in the hudson bay arc the government varied it to 20 based on their science and information. So that's just one example of a variation. Complete rejection is just, you know, no, you gotta start from scratch again, please, you know, present a, 
you know, a, uh, a um, plan that makes conservation uh, concern a priority and whatnot. So that's, you know, what, when, when they, you know, reject, you know, when it's a variation, they, they just accept a part of the decision, but they change uh, the other part, you know, let's say the quota for, for example, here. So that's kind of the um, uh, difference between the variation and rejection. I know in uh, this past winter, when a lot of us met at the Arctic Net conference, we had some really good conversations about making sure, I guess, in the future that Inuit knowledge is uh, really taken into consideration a lot more when the minister makes those decisions. And uh, really happy to be partner with your board and the Nunavut Wildlife Management Board on this Nanook Narratives project and trying to document uh, Inuit knowledge now about polar bears in each of our regions and using documentary film to do that. And I noticed past winter, you and colleagues and people from the Men's Association had a really successful hunt and just kind of curious uh, how everybody felt and that project was over was what was kind of the feeling of everybody who participated. Yeah, it was was great, and uh, you know, I mean, the, the the elders were were very happy to share their knowledge. I mean, that I think is is always nice to see. You know, when 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 you know when the elders, uh, you know, kind of appreciate being appreciated. You know, that was that was that was you know very very nice to see, and uh, I think everyone just kind of had a very good understanding of, you know, what what polar bear management you know is. You know, it was kind of a discussion about that on the side as well. You know, this is. A documentary you know we're going to talk about you know a lot of you need knowledge but you know just a good understanding that you know we we need to put something on paper about polar bear management and that's that's kind of what you know everyone kind of understood in the end and also just you know the fact that you know we shared you know the the the, the polar bear and uh you know knowledge was shared that 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 was i think you know something real 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 special you know for for the younger guys younger kids um, and also the uh, hunters as well, uh, to have that um, discussion about about polar bear and just sharing that knowledge. It was it was very um, informative, you know. I mean, for 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 myself, I always like to hear that. You know, I've been a part of our men's association for over twenty years, and uh, you know, a lot of our board members over the years have been elders, and they always tell great stories, and that's that's kind of what. I think we we captured pretty well, you know, to go along with the hunt, uh, to also capture that, you know, knowledge, um, that experience, you know, just understanding the level of experience they have based on the stories that they tell. Uh, it was, you know, real, real uh, eye-opener eye, eye and just, you know, also, you know, putting in practice kind of the skills to hunt a polar bear, you know, it was, it was, uh, very, um, uh, you know, we, we've heard stories, you know, of elders uh, saying, you know, that back in the day, they used to have whole uh, seals, bearded seals, preferably uh, harvest them and they'd put them on uh, on the ice, uh, you know, and uh, cut them open, leave them there and uh, have them as bait. And, um, you know, that those were the stories back in the day, you know, when the elders were, were harvesting polar bears um you know for for sustenance and also for 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 income uh, 
hunter would would harvest a you know a, a seal either on open water or through a breathing hole you know uh, would put the um seal on on the ice and leave it and that, that's that's what we used to be you know the, the way before and what we did you know with our hunters uh, ourselves we we harvested a seal we uh, drove it around on the ice you know a uh, few few hundred yards back and forth you know over a certain area the white area just to kind of get the seal fat aroma in the air and on the ice and uh, it was left uh, after that around that area where it's nice and flat kind of using it as bait and next day yeah we caught it we caught a polar bear um, so that's uh, just shows experience of how uh, you know, keen Inuit are in, in, you know, how, you know, looking at an animal, what the best way is, you know, to harvest it. Um, so that, that was very uh, nice, nice to see and put together for, for the documentary. I think that that's going to be nice to see. One of the things that really jumped out at me hearing all the stories about it is the work that you're doing with the, the young people in the community too, and making sure that there is this cultural continuity. I know we're hearing stories now where they're starting to be more and more worry about that in cases where there are hunting bans in place for species like caribou. And I really got the sense from the footage that I saw and listened to the stories that uh, in your community, there's a lot of effort going into making sure that the skills are kept in place people are practicing and uh, yeah. there's a bright future there and that kind of brings me to my last question i was going to ask you is what what are you excited about this year yeah this this year um the more 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 i think more the cabins you know that that uh, you know we just had built for for the blue hunts we want to have a um uh blessing uh opening and a blessing uh of it um how i see the bottom-up approach uh you know having the elders you know at the forefront that's kind of really how we're, we're we're trying to frame it and kind of put it together to to have this bottom-up approach led by the elders but also kind of have a blessing you know it, it's very respectful when you bless uh, the food, when you bless the hunters, when you bless their equipment, it's very symbolic. Um, you know, when 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 you when when you have that done, um, so that's that's what our plan is. You know, to to have this bottom up approach led by the elders, but really, you know, have some kind of spiritual, religious element to it as well. You know, to to have some you know uh, spiritual guidance. In, in 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 this whole process you know uh, to pray for you know uh, guidance uh, but also you know for for support for for the wildlife itself um uh, to keep coming um in 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 good numbers so that's what 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 we're looking at to you know to 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 put together and kind of lead that approach that way i think that's that's to me personally i think that's the best way to have a buy-in and a local bottom-up approach have these management plans put in place have the science and research kind of suggest things but ultimately having the decisions made you know by 
you know, uh, the hunters and the region. Uh, that's that's what I envision anyways, down, down, down the road. Perfect. Well, listen, thanks so much for doing this on a Friday afternoon. I uh, really enjoyed it. Hopefully you did also. And uh, do you have any plans this weekend to be out on the land? Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's going to be raining. Uh, I, I went out the last two weekends, got char and caribou uh, in the other weekend. So my freezers are full. So now it's just a matter of tending to my uh, <laughs> my, my my dogs in my cabin here. So uh, yeah, just going to be relaxing and repairing and renovating, preparing for the winter. Cool. All right. Will you take care, Tommy? Yeah. All right. You too, Jamie.